In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today is the last day of the liturgical year. We're 34th week of ordinary time, Saturday, which means that tomorrow is the first week of Advent, a time of preparation for the Incarnation, when the Lord Jesus comes as a child. And so, traditionally, the last days of the year, of the liturgical year, are all about preparing for that coming. And uh, I read this morning in Mass a beautiful passage from the responsorial psalm. We read the psalms of King David, and uh, it has a response. You know, we have the, the, the psalms themselves, but then there's a response that we say in, in Mass, and it reflects a very, very ancient antiphon that the early Christians would say. They would say it, and they would sing it together as a source of deep, deep consolation for each other. Because the early Christians, they lived in a time of great, great persecution. There were attacks against Christians. Many of them were martyred. The Roman Empire was a pagan empire and therefore basically against anything like Christianity. In fact, they felt that Christianity was like a, was like a form of superstition and that they thought that the gods would be unhappy with people like Christians praying to, the, to our Lord himself, to Jesus Christ as God. So that's why they demanded that they uh, pledge allegiance to Jupiter and Mars and all these different uh, pagan gods. And of course, many of the Christians refused. And so they would be hunkered down and uh, sort of trying to protect themselves against all this persecution, but many of them died. And there was a lot of pressure around them. So they would sing hymns, they would celebrate the Eucharist, and they would sing hymns. And the phrase that we get today was the original phrase that they would sing together in Aramaic. Aramaic is this ancient um, language that is kind of a mixture of of Hebrew with Persian. I don't exactly know the origin of this language, but it was called Aramaic, and it, it is the language that Jesus himself spoke in. It's not really generally used today, except maybe in some uh, liturgies. And the phrase that they used was Maranatha, Maranatha, which means come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And in fact, that phrase, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, is the, actually the last phrase of the last page of the last paragraph and the last line in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation. If you go to the very end of the, of the gospel, 
Or at the very end of the Bible, that's the phrase that you will see. Come, Lord Jesus. It was there precisely when there was a lot of political upheaval for, in the Roman Empire. But when they said that together, it was a source of great personal and communal comfort to think that Jesus is going to return. And they kind of wanted him to, like, come on, man. Come soon, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. That's why we say that Maranatha. Uh, I mean, it's just one phrase like that. But it was, it was really one of the most ancient Christian prayers in the very language that our Lord Jesus spoke. They would repeat it. Then they would stay in silence. They would repeat it. And it's as though it has at the very heart of it the cry of the soul an outpouring of the soul asking Jesus to come again. And so we can say that too now as we prepare for Advent. And we, we can ask ourselves, you know, like, do I really want Jesus to come again? And how indeed is he going to come? How is it going to happen? Well, there's really one fundamental way in which we can be sure that he will come and that we will face him face to face. And we all know that, that will be in the very instant, in the very blinking of an eye, in the very moment in which our soul leaves our body. That is when we die. We can be absolutely sure, doesn't matter what faith you have, what belief you have, is in that very instant, the first thing you'll see is not blackness, not darkness, not, you know, the abyss. But you will be judged in front of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will be the judge. You will be there. And that's why it's one of the ways we do that. We say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And that's why in today's gospel, at the very end of the liturgical calendar, the gospel today from St. Luke serves as an intense warning to us about that moment so that when we actually see the Lord Jesus standing in front of us, that loving and beautiful face, that we are ready, that we are ready to receive him. And that's why our Lord is saying, look, you guys, you got to be ready because you don't know the time, you don't know the hour in which you die. You could be 80 years old, 9 years old, but you could be young too. Very young. I know a family whose child is 6 years old, 6 years old, and took on some kind of infection and is now unconscious, brain dead, and basically about to die. There's only a 6 year old child. Who would have thought that that could possibly happen? Naturally, you can imagine the family's in crisis. That poor, innocent child. But the very moment that that child actually dies, he too will stand in front of our Lord. Now, naturally, a child like that is innocent. They are barely conscious. They've barely done anything in their life. But you and I, we've done things. And we have to be ready for that encounter. That's why our Lord says in today's Gospel, Watch yourselves, or your hearts will be coarsened. Your heart will be coarsened, he says, and with debauchery and drunkenness. Or another translation says, take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down 
I prefer the phrase coarsened. You can be coarsened, you can be weighed down. He says with dissipation and drunkenness. Or you could say with the cares of life. He says, because that day will be sprung on you suddenly like a trap. For it will be, it will come down on every living man on the face of the earth. Stay awake, praying at all times for the strength to survive all that is going to happen. To stand with confidence before the Son of Man. To stand with confidence. Not to stand with pride and, you know, like, what do you want kind of attitude. But with confidence. Where would that confidence come from? Well, it would come from a sense that we have prepared ourselves. And so, in today's passage, the Lord speaks about being alert because we don't know when the Lord is going to come and judge us. When he's going to come and ask us to give an account of our lives. So, what does it mean to be alert? To be alert means to act in such a way that the Lord would be happy when he comes to judge us. He sees us, oh yes, I know you, I'm so... You know, you've lived a, a good life, you've been honest, you've prayed to me, you've, you've really become the best version of yourselves. That's what we want our Lord to be able to say. Of course, there won't be able to, you won't be able to hide anything. You can't, like, I don't know, hold something behind that he won't see it, or I don't know, you know. But he'll be happy to judge us. Because he'll know that we've been doing all our life, we've been doing his will. We're trying to adapt ourselves to what makes him happy. Because God has a purpose for us. And we've really wanted to seek to be the best version of ourselves. And even St. Paul, in one of his letters, he talks about death as a thief in the knife, in the night. And, and often, when you do retreats, maybe in January or something, we'll have a chance to do a retreat, I don't know, but uh, all, these, all these topics come together. We talk about judgment, we talk about hell, we talk about purgatory, about heaven, we talk about the communion of saints, these are all things that are called the last things. And maybe they are areas that we know a little bit about or vaguely about, but they are essential for us to consider because these things will determine how we will live eternity, how we are judged, you know, how we die, all those things. You know, like you're right here now, but then how is all that eternity? Eternity is like a long time, right? Maybe when you're young, you don't think about death that much. We think about it as something that'll happen years from now. And uh, we don't know. And for many people, when they, when they talk about death, they're afraid of talking about death. They think it's a sad sub subject. When you think about it, most of our interests, our pursuits, our entertainments, are designed to stave off this question of death. And that's why so many spiritual masters emphasize the importance of, these, of this matter, right? To address it. That's why many saints have developed forms of prayer, in one sense, so as to be ready 
when they come face to face with these eternal things. That's why we have to become steady and regular men of prayer. And we should not let our relationship with the Lord fall into disrepair. And it would fall into disrepair if we never prayed, if we never addressed our Lord, if we never went to confession. And that's why we give thanks to the Lord that He's given us this opportunity to prepare for that moment of death through the sacrament of confession, where we reconcile ourselves to the Lord, where we can bring our sins in front of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, we ask forgiveness. And once we've asked forgiveness, the Lord forgives us through the priest. Well, all those sins we may have committed, they're gone. They, you know, when we come to our, our, our judgment, they'll be gone. They won't, the Lord will not see those because he will have forgiven them. And he forgives and he forgets. Maybe for some people, they still have the, let's say, the, the scars of those sins. Right? The scars, the effects of those sins. But the sin itself has been forgiven. That's why it's so good to go habitually to confession and and also good to to pray habitually and to repair our relationship with our Lord not let it go into disrepair disrepair would happen when we never address our Lord we never speak to him and indeed we never think even about death there's a famous Latin phrase Memento mori. Memento mori. Remember you will die. Remember death. And uh, that's a great ancient uh, Christian uh, tradition. Remember your death. You know, some monks, they would have a desk where they would work on, and sometimes they would have like a skull there, you know, like a skull. Of a, maybe, I don't know if it's a real skull, maybe made out of wax or something like that. But then they see the skull and they say, okay, I'm going to do this for love of you, Lord. And today, we see skulls, and some people think they're, I don't know, gross or something like that, you know, or, or odd. But it's, it should not be a scary thing for us to think about death. Because when we think about death, we know that it's definitely going to happen. And above all, we want to be ready for that moment. And at that moment, there will be, as I said, there will be this judgment. And we can picture now the Lord Jesus in front of us right, when we die. And we will see him in a way that we have never imagined. Because he is here now in that tabernacle. And it is a beautiful tabernacle. And he's there in the host, as we know by faith. But then we will see him face to face. And we will, in that moment, receive a light from God. And in an instant, we will see all the depths and the widths of our merits, our faults that we uh, acquired in this life on earth. We'll see the good acts we did, the good experiences we had. We will see the sins we had, those that we were forgiven for, 
the thoughts, the words, the actions, the deeds, even in some way, the emissions. Every time you pass by that beggar, and you said, you know, you didn't give him anything. Or every time somebody asked you for help, and you said, no, I don't have time now. Somehow, mysteriously, we will see all that. And uh, that's the light of God that we will have. And of course, Jesus will see it all perfectly. So we'll have to give an account and we'll have to, you know, kind of stand there in front of our Lord and he will judge us. He will judge us if we're worthy of heaven, of hell. Maybe we'll be worthy of heaven, but first we may have to be purified and that will be going to heaven, but first through purgatory. And what really will he be judging? Will he be judging our marks? Will he be judging how brilliant we are, how smart we are, how many friends we had, how good we were in soccer or something? No, he really will be judging us on our fidelity and our love, the way we loved those around us. You know, there was a story that Cardinal Voitila, Cardinal Voitila became John Paul II. He wrote a story or a play called The Jeweler's Shop. And it's a story about a guy who was married and his marriage was on the rocks and he decides to leave his wife. And, of course, he needs money to go off on his own. So he brings his, his wedding ring to a jeweler and he tells the jeweler, how much is this, this ring worth? And... Uh, there's a balance and the jeweler puts the ring on the balance and the, the balance shows zero. He said, well, you must be married, so it's worth nothing. He says, what are you, dude, I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, this is, uh, it's got a diamond on it and what are you, dude, hey, look. He said, look, my, my balance has a very special and unique ability. It can measure Love. It has the power to measure love. And I see from this lack of, you know, registration, zero, that you must still be married and that the Lord wants you to go back to your wife and be faithful. And, uh, you know, had he been decided to be faithful, it would have shown a lot of weight, but it wasn't. And when we die, we have to place our ring of our, the ring of our life weighing the scale of God that does not weigh metal, that does not weigh achievements, right? But it does weigh our love. It doesn't weigh all our accomplishments on earth. Maybe there will be a lot of metal in our life. Yeah? The luster and the brilliance of our friends, we think that that's going to weigh in front of God. Yeah? But if what it registers, like this guy, is zero, it'll be because there was no love of God all along. How much does your love of God weigh now in your life? Well, we ask St. Joseph, you know, he's the patron, patron of a happy death. We ask him to increase our love, that we do things out of love, that we go to school and we study out of love, 
that we interact with our friends out of love, that we play our soccer and, and our sports, but really as a desire to please our Lord and to say, Lord, I want to do this out of love for you, love for my friends, love for my family. Suddenly, the, the metal in our life, the rings of our life, will suddenly have great weight in the eyes of God. Let's ask our Blessed Mother, and I would invite you to ask your guardian angel too, in these Today is the last day before Advent to help you increase that and also to increase your love for confession so that you can think about, you know, that we have to be ready for that day in which the Lord comes to judge us. Let's ask our Blessed Mother and St. Joseph to make us such a way that we are, that he will be happy when he comes to judge us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.